just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. This is Friday. We're going into a weekend, a holiday weekend, no less. So things in the news should kind of settle down over the weekend. Hopefully people will be able to focus on the holidays, their friends and family, and let some of that shit sit for a while. We don't need to be tied up in this all the time. You need time with your family and friends. You need to find a little joy in life now and again. And hopefully this weekend will be that time for most folks. So with the news stuff kind of leveling off over the weekend, it'll be tougher to do a podcast. So you're probably thinking to yourself, well, he's going to do less podcasts. No, I'm going to do more podcasts. <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to do more podcasts. Well, at least one more podcast. Later today, I've got another podcast coming out, and I have a guest on the show. His name is Trisden Reynolds. Don't even ask. I don't know where he got the name Trisden, and I will ask him about it during the show. Trust me on that. But this is a pretty intelligent guy. He's a younger guy. He's in Kentucky and he has his own podcast. It's called the Extreme Common Sense Podcast. Now he's not like me or us really. He's just kind of left of right. So he's kind of a moderate. Uh, There are some things he and I don't agree on, but it's not contentious. We get along and we talk. And the main reason I wanted to have him on is because I've had some experience talking to him in a podcast format but not on the Rational Boomer podcast. It was actually on his podcast several months ago. He asked me to be a guest on his show, and I said, what the fuck, free publicity. So I went on the show with Trisden Reynolds and his partner, Ray White, who is an older guy, kind of in my age range, so I had a lot to relate with him with. They're both radio guys, so I had that in common as well. And uh, we had a good time on that show, and now that The Rational Boomer is up and running and going pretty strong. I thought, well, it's time to return the favor. And over and above that, I think uh, the folks listening to the Rational Boomer podcast would like to hear from this guy. So later today, be looking for that extra podcast because it will be coming out. And I think you'll enjoy it. We probably won't hear from Ed till next week. We have some other uh, listeners that will be on the show. All kinds of stuff coming your way. So keep it here on the Rational Boomer podcast. And in spite of the fact that the news may be a little bit light over the weekend because of the holidays, I'm going to keep doing the podcast. Now, you're probably wondering, is he going to do one for Christmas? And I've been going back and forth about that. And I'm thinking, who in their right mind would listen to a podcast on Christmas? Well, you freaks probably would. So I'm going to do one. I don't know what it's going to be about. I'm not going to read The Night Before Christmas or any of that other radio bullshit. We'll talk about whatever we have to talk about. But again, the question is, what do we have to talk about? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have uh, a gift presented to those of us in the media Uh, podcasts, the media, bloggers, whatever, because we've been waiting for the January 6th committee to 
release their full report. Now, this full report was supposed to come out on Wednesday. It did not. And then they said, well, it'll come out Thursday. And you waited all day and all day, and it never came out. And you thought, oh, this typical fucking government. But at 8.45 Central Time, it was released. So just a few hours ago, I'm recording this about midnight. Just a few hours ago, it was released. Now, people are going through this like crazy people. This full report is 845 pages, so nobody's going to sit down in an hour and read this fucking thing. They're going to pour through this. And then in addition to that, there is going to be all kinds of evidence, attachments, if you will. So this is going to take some time to go through, but we're already starting to hear some things here. Now, keep in mind, this full report is based on a thousand plus interviews, more like 1,200 interviews, documents collected, including emails, texts, phone records, and a year and a half of investigation. It includes allegations that Trump oversaw the legally dubious effort to put forward fake slate electors in seven states he lost, arguing that the evidence shows he actively worked to transmit false electoral college ballots to Congress and the National Archives, despite concerns among his lawyers that doing so could be unlawful. Turns out his lawyers were right. It is absolutely fucking illegal, and uh, <clears throat> this is going to cause Donald Trump and uh, his little acolytes some problems, especially now that this evidence has been put out there. Uh, we know the Republicans wanted to get hold of all these documents so they could cherry-pick things and try to divert, distract, delay, whatever. Uh, Betty Thompson beat him to the punch. She said, we're going to release them to everybody, and that's what they did. So in spite of the fact that the news might be slow this weekend, we've got a gen uh, uh, generally a buffet of fucking information that's going to be available online. And trust me, I am going to go to that to get various evidence and information, and we can focus on that in various podcasts in the future. Now, Committee Chairman Benny Thompson said on Monday that he has every confidence that the work of his committee will help provide a roadmap to justice and that the agencies and institutions responsible for ensuring justice under the law will use the information we've provided to aid in their work. Special Counsel Jack Smith is leading the Justice Department, of course, we know that. Um, we also know that Jack Smith and the DOJ is working together with the J6 committee. So while their, their committee is done per se, they're not quite done. They're going to help Jack Smith get up to speed and provide whatever info he needs. And, of course, he's going to get all the documentation and all the evidence. So this should speed things up for Jack Smith as well. Now, when this happened, we're hearing about little bits and pieces of things coming out. Some of it we've heard and some of it we haven't heard. One such thing is uh, the January 6th committee unveiled explosive new evidence about the role of the Freedom Caucus chair, that, of course, Scott Perry, and that he played in assist, how he played into assisting Trump's effort to overturn the 2020 elections by any means necessary. Um, 
there was a um, text he made to Mark Meadows that came out in this evidence. He says, 11 days to 1-6, we got to get going. I wonder what he meant by that. Was he going to have a fucking party or an insurrection? The committee alleges Perry, a Pennsylvania Republican, colluded with Trump Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark regarding the stolen election claims. Now, we kind of knew about this before. Jeffrey Clark was some deputy um, attorney general for the environment. He really had no connection to the political aspects of what was going on. But he was a Trump humper. And he came up with an idea of sending a note or a release of some sort to the swing state secretaries of state saying, hey, there's plenty of election fraud. You got to stop counting votes. Fortunately, when it got up to uh, Rosen, who was the acting attorney general, he said, no, that's bullshit. We're not doing that. So then, of course, Donald Trump thought about firing Rosen and making uh, making Jeffrey Clark the attorney general. And everybody on Donald Trump's staff said, you do that, we're fucking resigning. Do not do that. He has no business, no business being attorney general. And this is not going to look good. Now, where Scott Perry comes into this, apparently Scott Perry introduced Jeffrey Clark, to Donald Trump. And as I've told you before, it's very easy to manipulate Donald Trump. Just tell him he's a genius, pat him on the head, tell him he's the greatest guy in the world, and he'll let you do anything you fucking want. Now, the committee claims that in the lead-up to Trump's Stop the Steal rally on December 26th and December 28th, Perry sent multiple text messages to Meadows pushing the president's hand to elevate Clark within the DOJ. He not only introduced Donald Trump to Jeffrey Clark, he was pushing to make him the attorney general. As I said, the acting attorney general, Rosen, first learned about Clark's contact with the president, Trump, in a call on Christmas Eve. On that call, President Trump mentioned Clark to Rosen, who was surprised to learn that Trump knew Clark, who the hell he was, and had met with him. That obviously raised some red flags. Rosen later confronted Clark about the contact. Uh, Clark's contact with the president violated both Justice Department and White House policies designed to prevent political pressure on the department. Still, Clark, Perry, and then-president were undeterred by their flagrant violations of their oaths, as understood by the nation's top lawyer. He nevertheless continued to work and meet secretly with the president. He's told not to. He's told it's illegal, but he still does it. And Congressman Perry, the committee found, less than five days after assuring Rosen that he would comply with the department's White House contacts policy, Clark told Rosen and Donahue that he again violated the policy. This is just one of hundreds of things that will come out. What happened here was highly illegal. Scott Perry is a sitting member of Congress. He is part of the group that uh, they're looking at in terms of connected, being connected to the insurrection. Clearly, in this little story, 
Scott Perry played a great role, a big role in this thing, and he was encouraging Donald Trump to fire his attorney general, to hire Jeffrey Clark, and then to continue to send out letters that suggested there was massive election fraud to the secretaries of state of swing states in order to stop the voting. There's a bunch of crimes there. Fucking bunch of crimes. It's unbelievable to me that these people never thought they'd get caught. I mean, they're so flagrant. They're so blatant. It's just about the arrogance. And it's about the lack of foresight. I've said this all along about Trump They only care about what they want and what they get for themselves right now. They never look at the big picture. And by not looking at the big picture, they put themselves in bad situation. Donald Trump does it every fucking day. These people, Scott Perry and uh, uh, Jeffrey Clark, they put themselves in this situation. They never in their wildest dreams thought anybody would catch them in this and then hold them accountable. Well, surprise, 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 because now they're going to be held accountable. There's going to be all kinds of problems for these clowns. Jeffrey Clark will be going to jail. Scott Perry, at the very least, I would presume he's going to be expelled from Congress. At least, let's hope so. The 14th Amendment should help with that. It's pretty clear what he did. They have his text messages. And so we'll see how this plays out. But again, with this new report and all the evidence from the J6 committee, there is going to be revelation after revelation and things coming out, naming names, showing crimes, and showing their very own text messages and emails. After the first of the year, things are going to get a little crazy because there's constantly going to be new information that comes out, whether it be about his taxes or all this evidence from the J6 committee. I mean, the report itself is 845 pages. It's going to take time for a lot of people to read that. And then you have all the supporting evidence. It's going to take time to read that. It might take a little bit of time to ramp up, but once it does, it is going to be devastating to the Republicans, to the trump and first and foremost, Donald Trump. Now, one of the things that we're finding out is that it ends up being the star witness of... Uh, of this case, of the J6 committee's hearings, turns out to be Cassidy Hutchinson. And I've been watching stories about her, and she's quite an amazing woman. I wasn't ready to give her that much credit at first, but after I've heard all she's been through and what she did with the pressure that was being applied to her, truly fucking amazing. MSNBC legal analyst Harry Littman on Thursday said that one-time Trump White House ethics lawyer Stefan Passantino could be in real trouble for the pressure he put on Cassidy Hutchinson to forget things she knew about former President Donald Trump's action on January 6th. See, what Passantino did, he 
kind of coached Cassidy Hutchinson about her testimony. Now, that's not unusual. That's not even illegal, except Passantino took it a little further than he should have, further than legal that is legally acceptable. And this puts Stefan Passantino in a very serious situation. He's almost certain to lose his law license, but he could also be prosecuted as well. He could go to jail for what he did there because what he did with Cassidy Hutchinson is absolutely a no-no when it comes to being a lawyer. He was basically telling her, look, I don't want you to perjure yourself, but you can say I don't recall. They don't know if you recall or not, so you can say it. And then she said, well, what if I do recall? Do I still say I don't recall? Is that perjury? And of course, Passantino said, well, it's not perjury because they don't know what you recall. Well, that stuck in Cassidy Hutchinson's head. Well, maybe they don't know, but I know. And she had some integrity. She had some credibility. And so she was really, really fighting with what she should do. She was given a lawyer. Now, she's a 26-year-old kid. I can't even fucking imagine a 26-year-old kid being in a high-stress situation, let alone a presidential administration who is being looked into for committing insurrection. That is a lot on a 26-year-old kid. I don't fault her at all. She got a job in the White House with the administration. She was probably excited. She wanted to start her career. And then she gets this bullshit thrown in her lap. They know she's going to testify. So what do they do? They get her a lawyer. Turns out this lawyer, this Stefan Passantino, was a Trump lackey. Not surprising. She had the wherewithal to say, who's paying for this? And Passantino wouldn't tell her. Another red flag. And she was smart enough to know that's a red flag. Um, So he was telling her that she should lie, essentially. And telling her that uh, she's got a free and clear lawyer and it's paid for somebody, but I can't tell you until after it's done. Another problem. Then they went out and they started talking about, well, you know, we know you're going to do the right thing. That's kind of like mob talk, like you better say what we want you to say or you're in fucking trouble. And they were talking about getting her jobs and all that sort of thing, because I'm sure that's what she's worried about. She's in this horrible situation with this administration. She's thinking to herself, if I don't tell the truth, I'm never going to get another job, and I'm fucking 26. So Passantino, knowing that and willing to manipulate a 26-year-old woman, says, don't worry about it, we got you. And that's how they responded to everything. They didn't specify what they were doing or how they were doing it or why they were doing it. They said, don't worry, we got you. Now, as a man of 62, I can tell you if somebody says, don't worry about the specifics, we'll take care of you. That's when I freak out because I know that's bullshit. I know that's a lie. 
And I know that's not true. And the funny thing is, somehow Cassidy Hutchinson figured that out too. And for that, I have a lot of respect and I can appreciate her intelligence there. She was thinking. Now, so she's realizing that she's got this Trump-humping lawyer who's probably going to get her in trouble with the idea of just saving Donald Trump. They don't really care what happens to her if she lies, gets busted for perjury. They don't give a shit about that. They just want to uh, push their narrative, and they need Cassidy Hutchinson to do it. So immediately she realized, I can't have this lawyer, but I can't really afford another lawyer, so what do I got to do? So she goes to her folks. I think her mom and dad are divorced. Both of them big-time Trump humpers. And they don't understand the problem. Hey, Donald Trump is providing a lawyer free to you. That's awesome. You should jump all over that. And Cassidy Hutchinson had enough common sense to say, No, Mom, I can't do that. If I do that, I'm fucked. She literally said that. And again, they didn't understand. But she knew from being around Donald Trump and the Trump organization there that once she accepted something from them, she was stuck. They had that over on her, and they were going to drag her down into a rabbit hole. I give her a lot of credit. Most kids at 26 would not grasp that. They would not think that. They're a little naive, and they would just be happy that someone's going to help them out. But not her. Not her. And she spent a lot of time thinking about this. She went to her mom. She went to her dad. Nobody could give her money or would give her money. So she was in a tight spot. She needed a new lawyer in order to save her soul. But she really couldn't figure out how to do that. Now, this is where the girl gets really smart. And I'm impressed by this. She's looking at this situation with Donald Trump and seeing the similarities between the Donald Trump problems and Watergate. I mean, that's really the only thing that could be compared to what's going on with Donald Trump. And she thought to herself, surely there's got to be somebody that was like me in the same situation as me. What did they do? How did they get through it? And she looked at the names, John Dean, all of that stuff. And then she came across the name Alexander Butterfield. Now, if you're old enough, you remember who Alexander Butterfield was. He was kind of a low-level employee, kind of like Cassidy Hutchinson. And he broke the news at the Watergate hearings that pretty much put a fork into Richard Nixon. He was asked whether or not he knew if there was a taping system inside the White House. He said yes. And that was, there was a gasp in the, uh, in the, uh, the hall there. And then they asked him, as far as you know, is it still up and running? And he said, yes. Well, what Alexander Butterfield did there was basically, well, basically the Republicans, at least those in the, in the uh, Richard Nixon administration, would look at him as a traitor. They'd be mad, and he could be um, risking himself for any kinds of blowback. 
but he did what was right as opposed to what they wanted him to do. So Cassidy took a look at that. She read this book about that situation over and over again until she settled her mind and decided, it may be the hardest thing, but I got to do the right thing. And for that, I give her a ton of credit. And somehow she was able to get a lawyer, an impartial lawyer, a real lawyer, as opposed to this uh, Passantino, and uh, he's doing it pro bono. And thank God for that. If anybody needed some help in this whole process, it is certainly Cassidy Hutchinson. And it turns out as more of her testimony comes out, it's really bringing out um, a lot of information. She is certainly going to be a star, the star of, of, of this of these hearings. Now, reacting to newly revealed testimony in which Hutchinson claimed Passantino told her, the less you remember, the better. Yeah, that's wrong. Harry Litton, Littman of MSNBC is a legal analyst, uh, said that he was particularly struck by the part of the transcript where Hutchinson said Passantino told her to make I don't recall her go-to response if she didn't have a perfect 100% memory of an event on the grounds that she would not be technically lying in that instance. When he tells her that, when he counsels her to say that, when he knows it's not true, and that is a way over the line, that's quite a ways over the line. He said, not just of ethics, but of the criminal law supporting perjury and obstruction. Hutchinson delivered explosive testimony this past summer, of course, and uh, all along the way, this Trump lawyer was trying to get her to commit perjury. That said, she refused to do it, and she is a hero for this country, 26 years old, and she knew to do the right thing, and she had enough fortitude to actually do it in spite of the fact that she knew it could cause her troubles. I mean, you look at people who have testified or people who have spoken out against Donald Trump. What happens? They get death threats. They get harassed. They get people parked in front of their homes. It's absolutely fucking crazy. And Cassidy Hutchinson, being on the inside, could see not only that this happens, but how it happens. And she knew she put herself at risk. But again, she's in a tight spot because she's 26. She's got to figure out how the rest of her life's going to go. She's got a long life in front of her. I mean, this, this woman is younger than my youngest son by two or three years. I give her a lot of credit. And I'm only sorry that she didn't get the support from her parents. In these situations, regardless of if they were Trump humpers or not, their first priority should be to help their daughter. But they didn't do that. They didn't help her with money. They didn't help her with support. All they could think was, well, Donald Trump's giving you a free lawyer. You should just take it and be happy. But they weren't thinking ahead. They were thinking like other trump let's get what we need right now, not worry about the future, not look at the big picture. But Cassidy Hutchinson knew better. She was the smartest one in the room. And she will come out of this 
better than anybody. She's not going to be charged with anything. She didn't do anything, but she was there to see what is going on. And she related, honestly, to the January 6th committee. You remember Cassidy Hutchinson was also the one that she heard a uh, story from Tony Orinato where um, Donald Trump wanted to go to the Capitol on January 6th. The Secret Service said, no way, we're not going to do that. And, of course, Donald Trump got angry. She said that Tony Orinato told her that he reached up to the driver, tried to choke him, tried to grab the wheel. And, of course, when the Secret Service came in, Tony Ornato specifically, and testified, well, Tony Ornato pleaded the fifth all the way through, which should be a red flag, too. If you're admitting that you did something illegal by pleading the fifth, maybe we need to look into you. And I can assure you, when it all shakes out, we will find out that the January 6th committee uh, dug into Tony Ornato, maybe got some corroborating evidence that says he's fucking lying because there's no question he's lying by omission in this particular situation. But here's what's going to happen. If this evidence is proven true, and I'm pretty sure it will, Stefan Passantino will lose his law license. There's no question about that, and he may do jail time. Now, this Passantino guy didn't look like uh, an old lawyer either. He looked like he might be in his 30s. Can you imagine that? You align yourself with Donald Trump. You lie for Donald Trump. You encourage other people to lie for Donald Trump. And then you get taken down and you lose your future. You, you lose your, your um, ability to earn money in the, the field that you've been trained in. See, what happened here is total opposite ends of the spectrum. Stefan Passantino did what was easy. He stuck with Donald Trump, not looking ahead, and now he's going to be done. If all that happens is he loses his license, he'll be lucky because there is a jail cell waiting for somebody who does the things that Stefan Passantino did. On the other side of the coin, we have Cassidy Hutchinson, 26-year-old woman, has a future to look forward to. She did the hard thing. She took the risk regardless of how afraid she was about the retribution or the blowback she would get from the trump all around this country, she did the right thing. And that is something we have a shortage of in this country amongst our politicians. They don't do the right thing. They do the expedient thing. They do the thing that enriches themselves. And I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats. Cassidy Hutchinson is a rarity in this country certainly in our politics. Somebody who understands the truth and is willing to stand for it regardless of what it cost her. Well, thankfully, in the end, it will probably benefit her down the road. She will probably do very well because she's shown that she is going to tell the truth. She's going to be honest. Now, those people that are crooked, that need somebody to go along to get along, she probably won't get jobs with those people. 
But I can tell you this, Cassidy Hutchinson will do well for herself. And we as a country should be thankful for what she did. Because most 26-year-old kids, hell, most 56-year-old old white men wouldn't do what she did. And as more information comes out, as we read deeper into these uh, documents and this evidence, I think we're going to see that Cassidy Hutchinson may be one of the people that will end up help getting Donald Trump and the people around him fucking indicted. All right, we are going to take a break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. There was another young woman who worked on Donald Trump's staff that showed some integrity and credibility. Her name was Sarah Matthews. She served as a deputy press secretary in the Trump White House until she resigned on January 6, 2021. That was revealed to the House Select Committee during her testimony, the moment she realized she could no longer work for former President Donald Trump showing more integrity than most old white men or more integrity than Stefan Passantino. As flagged by CBS News, Scott McFarland newly released transcripts of Matthew's testimonies show she told the committee that her breaking point came when Trump released a video telling the rioters at the Capitol to go home while also lavishing them with praise, even though they had been chanting for the hanging of Mike Pence. She said, I think that started to make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, you think? Because I can recall texting some reporters back, especially after the video, he said. Or she said, you know, we love you. Or he said, Donald Trump said, we love you. You're very special. And I remember a specific reporter asking me about that line, and I'm trying to defend it off the record. Although Matthews has been a dutiful foot soldier for Trump in the past, this time she realized it was too much. I was just remember thinking to myself, what are you doing, she revealed. Like, is this, this is indefensible. Now, as, as somebody who was a deputy press secretary, she spent her days talking up Donald Trump, trying to defend the shit that would come to pass. Uh, but even this was a bridge too far. The January 6th insurrection, she realized, what the fuck am I in the middle of? And she chose to quit her job, a good job, paying well, respectable job. But she did it because she knew if she stuck with it, that she would get caught up in the mess and she would go down the drain with the rest of them. Now, I probably wouldn't agree politically with this woman if she worked for Donald Trump and she is uh, supporting the things he did the four years he was president of the United States. That said, I can appreciate and respect her integrity. You would think that more people would have done that. I mean, that's the interesting thing. You can support Donald Trump in 2016, but when he started doing some of this blatant, egregious shit, 
What causes people to stand with that when they know better? Well, it's greed and uh, a need for power and actually believing that Donald Trump is your Lord and Savior and will save you if you get in trouble. You know, it's funny. I always compare... um, I always compare Donald Trump to my father. And again, they're different people and and, and my father's past now and I don't I was gonna say I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but it's my life and I'll speak about it if I fucking want to. Um, but this is the one thing I noticed about uh, my father as well as what these people are learning about Donald Trump. They believed he was very powerful. They believed that he would always help them out at the very last moment if needed. And uh, they were wrong. And I was actually in that same situation when I was young and just married, having a kid. It was tough financially. I was running a company that wasn't making enough money uh, to support itself and to support me. And it was a struggle. It was hard work. And in retrospect, I'm thankful for it because it taught me a lot about business that I was able to use and benefit from later on. But during that time, it was very, very tough. And you have to understand, my dad had a fair amount of money. He was making a lot of money back in those days. And I always thought in the back of my mind, based on what I knew of my father, there were things I didn't like, but I knew he had the wherewithal and I knew he would probably always be there if I got in bad straits. Now, I did everything I could to avoid going to him for anything. Because everything you would go to him for would have strings attached. I didn't like that. I wanted to be my own man. But at least I had that safety valve in my head that, you know, if I have a lot of trouble, if I just can't find my way out of it financially, my dad's got a lot of money, he won't leave me hanging out to dry. Until he did. And he did exactly that. When I was at my lowest point, when I need most help, the one person I thought I could go to was my father, and I was wrong. And that is a devastating thing to learn. And I'm sure it was for these people that work for Donald Trump. It's devastating because, you know, it's always that safety net you believe was always there. And then when you find out it's not, In that moment, you finally realize, Jesus Christ, I'm out here on my own, and I'm not doing too well. There's nobody who can save me. So I got to hustle and try to figure this out for myself. And again, it was a great learning experience, but it was devastating. And it, it, it cost me a lot of confidence at the time because the one person I thought would be there refused to be there. Cassidy Hutchinson saw it with her parents. And the people that work for Donald Trump were seeing it too. They thought for sure that he would back them up, and then he didn't. And the problem here is when you're dealing with the kind of people I was dealing with and the people that work for Donald Trump were dealing with, what we don't understand is they don't really care about anybody else. They have no empathy. They're sociopathic. And when it comes down to that, All they really are concerned about is themselves, enriching themselves, saving themselves, gaining power for themselves. And if you become a stumbling block or a problem, it's easy for them to kick you aside. 
I found that out with my father. They found it out working for uh, Donald Trump. Cassidy Hutchinson found it out with her parents. It's a devastating thing, and that's maybe why in my life, my wife and I have the same attitude. No matter how old our kids get, if they need help and we're in a position to do it, we're fucking doing it. No questions asked, we're doing it. Now, some people give me shit about that. Oh, you're too easy on your kids. You're spoiling them. Well, my kids turned out pretty well. I'm not worried about that. But if you aren't there for family, then you aren't worth a shit. And I'm certainly not going to do the things my father did or that Donald Trump did or Cassidy Hutchinson's parent did. How can you take somebody, whether they be an employee or they be your children, just leave them hang out to dry and still be smiling and happy for the benefits and all the praise you're getting. That's fucking absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe it. And I'm glad for uh, Sarah Matthews that she saw it ahead of time and got the fuck out of Dodge. Now, we have a big bill that um, the Democrats and Republicans, it's kind of a bipartisan effort, surprise, surprise, that they're trying to pass. And that is a $1.7 trillion spending bill, an omnibus bill. Now, they took this omnibus bill to the Senate. And, uh, you know, of course, all the Republicans in the House are saying, we don't want that passed. We don't want that passed. But Mitch McConnell and the Republicans said, you know what? We don't trust you, motherfuckers. We want to get something out of this. This is a way we can actually accomplish something. It's a scenario I think I've heard before. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I said that. It's going to come to a point where the Republicans, instead of siding with the MAGAs when they're trying to step away from them, they're going to try to negotiate with the Democrats because they need to get something done and they need to separate themselves from the MAGA fucks. And that is what happened in the Senate, like uh, 60 or 58, no, 68 Uh, people voted for this $1.7 trillion spending bill. Now, keep in mind, this does a couple of things. There's a lot of stuff in this bill. First and foremost, the important thing is that they keep the government solvent and up and running. I know I talked to Ed about this, and Ed was convinced that the Republicans were going to do this. But what they wanted to do is shut down the country forcing everybody to have to make cuts and then go after Social Security and Medicare. I told Ed, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Republicans will allow it to happen. They have as much to lose as the Democrats, so they're they're not going to do that. Um, so it went to the Senate. It passed the Senate. Now, keep in mind, the Senate is a 50-50 split, but it passed with like uh, 58 or 60, I think it was 58 actually now that, no, wait, here it is, 68 to 29. That means that 18 Republicans voted for it. That's crazy. I mean, how many bills did we see pass like that? Certainly not a spending bill for $1.7 trillion, but the Republicans voted for it. 
and it passed 68 to 29. Now it's going to go to the House. The important thing to understand, it's going to the House before January 3rd. So the Democrats will still have the majority. They will pass it. It will go to Joe Biden and he will fucking sign it. So yet another big success for Joe Biden. And how did he do it? With the Republicans. The House Republicans are mad as shit. They don't want this thing to pass because it goes against their strategy to try to shut down this country. No matter how badly it affected everybody in this country, and it would, they were willing to do that just to own the libs and try to get some other agenda, like getting rid of Medicare or Social Security. Well, the Republicans in the Senate thought better of it. They saw what happened in the midterms. So as I suggested, you're going to see Republicans, in many cases, preferring to negotiate with the Democrats as opposed to siding with MAGA. They want to step away from MAGA, and the only way they can do that is to negotiate with the Democrats. Yes, there's going to be stuff in there they don't like, but because they're negotiating, they're going to get a bunch of stuff they do like. So then when it comes to election time, they can say, well, we did something. We got some things. So that's what happens. Now it's going to go to the House. It should pass the House. It will go to the president. He will sign it. And then we'll have a brand new $1.7 trillion bill that passes. It will keep the uh, country open. It will go against what the MAGA folks want. And there's a lot of other things that will be beneficial to this country and the people in it. So this is good news. Chuck Schumer said, this is one of the most significant appropriations packages we have done in a very long time, said Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. The range of people it helps is large and deep. Well, that's good to know. Now, lawmakers are racing to get the bill approved before a partial government shutdown would occur at midnight on Friday. So I'm guessing the House will vote on it today and it will be a done deal. And then, of course, the president will probably sign it later in the day if, if that's what's necessary. Many people were anxious to complete the task before a deep freeze and a wintry conditions left them stranded in Washington for the holidays. That's the other thing. They didn't want to be stuck um, while they're supposed to be on vacation. And let's be honest, these motherfuckers are always on vacation. They have more days off than kids in school. But they didn't want a lockdown. And again, this isn't any more helpful to the Republicans than it is um, the Democrats. The only people that see a benefit from it are the disruptors, the MAGA group, the Toothless rednecks, the dumb fucks, the dumb of a, dumbest of all, Trumpla fucks. They're the only ones that see the benefit from it. And uh, the people of this country and the country generally be damned. Now, one of the things that is in this, in this uh, funding bill is aid to Ukraine. So it was a very opportune time for senators to hear from Zelensky 
Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, about the importance of U.S. aid to his country for its war with Russia. You heard that on Wednesday night. The measure provides about $45 billion in military, economic, and humanitarian assistance for the devastated nation and NATO allies, more than Biden even requested, raising total assistance so far to $100 billion. Now, you have to understand that what we're doing in Ukraine, if you're looking at the big picture, helps this country, helps their country, and helps the world for that matter. It's absolutely necessary that we do that. Now, the Trumplifucks look at it a different way. They're appalled by the idea of giving Ukraine money. In fact, I think Paul Gosar said, after, the, after uh, we take control of the House, there's no more blank checks to Ukraine. Tucker Carlson said that uh, um, Zelensky came in here looking like a strip club manager. Then you had Donald Trump Jr. suggest that um, Zelensky was a welfare queen which I found really ironic given that Donald Trump has never collected a, a, um, uh, a check, a payment for his work, in quotes. He's never accepted a check that daddy didn't sign, and he's calling people out for being welfare queens. Well, given that this bill's going to pass, fuck the Republicans, MAGA fucks, and uh, good riddance. Now, Zelensky told lawmakers and the Americans watching from home, your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. Lawmakers were in disagreement over which amendments were to be voted upon to lock in a final vote on the expedited basis. The impasses had the potential to prevent passage of the bill before midnight Friday. But uh, negotiations overnight led to breakthrough, and senators gathered at early Thursday morning to work through more than a dozen amendments before getting to the final vote. The spending bill is supported by Schumer and Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. Believe that or not, Mitch is behind it. Because Mitch knows, Mitch knows that his constituents are going to suffer just as much as Democratic constituents should the country shut down. McConnell cited the bill's 10% boost in defense spending. See, that was the giveaway you had to give to the, uh, to the Republicans. They wanted a 10% boost in defense spending in spite of the fact we spend more on defense than any country in the world almost tenfold. We already spend an obscene amount of money into our defense fund unnecessarily. But we had to give away that 10% boost in defense spending to McConnell in order to get the Republicans to vote for this bill. It was some horse trading there. And McConnell said this will give America's armed forces the funding and certainty needed to ensure the country's security. The world's greatest military will get the funding increase it needs, outpacing inflation, McConnell said. Meanwhile, non-defense, non-veteran spending will come come in below the rate of inflation for a real dollar cut. Now, the interesting thing about this, 
for going to raise the defense budget by 10%. Does that mean the rank and file, the people fighting for this country, will get a 10% raise? Oh, hell no. This money goes in the pockets of the military um, military complex, uh, military-industrial complex, and it's just the Republicans feeding money to their buddies, who in turn feeds money to the Republicans so they continue this process, continue robbing us every fucking year. Now, as I said, McConnell got a lot of pushback from a lot of Republicans who don't support the spending bill and resent being forced to vote on such a massive package with so little time before a potential shutdown and the Christmas holiday. This put a lot of pressure on Republicans, and McConnell was behind it, so they didn't have a lot of choice. There has not been enough time for a single person to have read the entire bill. The bill and process ignores soaring inflation, raising interest rates, and our ballooning debt of $31 trillion, said Rand Paul of Kentucky. Enough is enough for two senators. The bill puts the finishing touches on their work in Washington. Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, he is retiring after serving some 48 years in the Senate. And as the uh, current chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, he negotiated the bill for months with Senator Richard Shelby of Alabama, the committee's ranking Republican who was elected to the Senate in 1986, who was also retiring. There's a lot of horse trading in this whole fucking thing. And the interesting thing is that Donald Trump is screaming his head off about this, too. He doesn't want the Democrats to win and get this bill passed. He went up and said, if we do this, it'll raise inflation. It'll destroy the country. You can't let this happen. Well, too bad, Donnie. It's fucking happening. One of the most notable examples was a historic revision to the federal election law that aims to prevent any future presidents or presidential candidates from trying to overturn the election, something we sorely needed to do. Things got too close on January 6th, and uh, uh, new historic revisions to the law are going to help things dramatically. It may not fix it totally, but it is certainly going to help. The bipartisan overhaul of the Electoral Count Act is in direct response to former President Trump's efforts to convince Republican lawmakers and Vice President Mike Pence to object to the certification of Biden's victory on January 6th, 2021. Now, there was really no legal way for Mike Pence to do what Donald Trump wanted, and he didn't. Um. But this is going to do kind of what codifying the same-sex marriage bill does. It makes it a lot tougher. I guess nothing is certain, but it makes it a lot tougher. Now, one of the guys screaming about this shit um, was Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has made a career of not being happy about things. Even things he doesn't know shit about. He is not happy about the bipartisan deal, according to a report from Ross Story. He recently made his displeasure known behind closed doors, which is where Ted Cruz usually talks shit, and it usually gets recorded, and it 
it usually makes him look like shit. How he gets reelected, I don't do not know. Cruz said, this is a terrible bill. It's disgraceful that the Senate Republicans are complicit in undermining the new Republican majority in the House and robbing that authority of the power of the purse. This is implementing the Schumer-Pelosi spending plan. Makes no sense at all. Um, The bill passed, of course, with widespread support from both parties. Again, the final tally was 68 to 29. Donald Trump, of course, agreed with Cruz in a video posted Prior to the vote, every single Republican should vote no on the ludicrous, unacceptable $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. It's a disaster for our country, and it also happens to be a disaster for the Republican Party because they could have stopped it. Trump also took a non-surprising shot at McConnell saying, Mitch McConnell, who is an absolute disaster by by the way, must not be allowed to waste this golden opportunity. He's more of a Democrat than a Republican. What he's doing to this party is incredible. He's more of a Democrat than a Republican. I don't know. For the last six years, we fucking hated Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell only does what's good for Mitch McConnell, right? And that's what he did here. Siding with MAGA was not going to be a winner. He saw that in the midterms, and he's one of the few people in the Republican Party that are smart enough to realize that. He's not doing this because all of a sudden he's a good guy. He's doing this because it's going to benefit him. Now, in some of these new documents... There, there's a name that keeps coming up, and it's a name we've talked about on the podcast. I get a lot of comments about it, and this is going to be interesting. A new report is shedding light on the conflict of interest surrounding controversial donations contributed to Senator Mike Lee of Utah's reelection campaign. Now, according to the Salt Lake Tribune, Virginia Jenny Thomas The wife of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas donated to Lee's campaign twice in the same election cycle. Now, federal campaign disclosures show Thomas donated $750 to Lee's 2022 campaign, $500 on October 19th, and another $250 on June 30th following his primary election win, the news outlet reported. Now, according to Federal Election Commission records, Thomas also donated $250 to Lee's first campaign for Senate in 2010, which was her second ever donation to an individual campaign. Now, Thomas um, founded the conservative political group Liberty Central in 2009, The outlet wrote, the the following year, Liberty Central endorsed several congressional candidates, the first being Lee. And if you don't know who Mike Lee is, he is another Trump-humping, lying piece of shit. But that's just my opinion. The report also offered more insight into the connection between Thomas and Lee. Lee and Thomas were both involved in the effort to overturn Donald Trump's loss in the 2020 election. They both texted then-White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows after the election was called for President Joe Biden. So, now that we have all this evidence coming out, we are going to see a lot of those texts. 
And I think you're going to see things ramp up on Ginny Thomas a little bit. We know she was involved in a big way. We know Mike Lee was involved in a big way. And for whatever reason, these two are in cahoots in some way. Both Thomas and Lee had connections to conservative lawyer, oh, here's a name, John Eastman. And they were part and parcel to the legally dubious scheme to have states won by Biden submit alternate presidential electors to throw the election to Trump. Lee referenced the plan in text with Meadows while the House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol reportedly has email correspondences between Thomas and Eastman after the, after the election. In November, Lee was reelected after defeating his opponent, Evan McMullen, who ran as an independent candidate. Lee won the election 53 to 42%. This situation with Jenny Thomas is going to be problematic. Being married to a Supreme Court justice is going to make things tougher. But clearly, she was involved in this insurrection. The planning, some of the financing, and some of the strategizing or at least coordinating with these fake electors. We'd heard about her going to the White House and talking to the president's administration, the staff. For the life of me, I, I, I don't know how she's able to do that. In spite of the fact that she's married to a Supreme Court justice, she's just a woman. She's a civilian, if you will. How does a civilian get an open-door policy with the White House and be able to sit and talk to the administration and or Donald Trump? There's certainly something more to this whole situation, and it doesn't smell good. There's something very bad going on with Ginny Thomas, and the this new evidence that's coming out is probably going to show a number of text messages and emails that she made that will implicate her and show that she was in very deep with this insurrection. So if you've been waiting for something to happen to Ginny Thomas, I think we're getting closer. Because now all the evidence is out there. It's going to take some time to dig through all of it. But you can bet between all the media outlets and all the people in this country interested, they will pick out bits and pieces and they will be brought to light every fucking day from now until God knows when. And I can assure you this, I'm going to be going through this too. And we'll be talking about it on the Rational Boomer podcast. There's a lot to talk about. And the next two years leading up to the 2024 elections are going to be a rough one for Donald Trump, for Ginny Thomas, for Roger Stone, for Rudy Giuliani, all the sitting members of Congress that were involved in this insurrection. It's all coming out. And they're going to have to do something about it. Unfortunately, they can't distract, divert, and delay anymore. It's all out there for all of us to see. And they are all fucked at this point. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen. Again, I want to remind you that later today there'll be another podcast. The guest will be Trisden Reynolds. Should be a good show. Be sure to check it out. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 
We'll see you next time.